Hey guys, welcome back to the Detour Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Jones. Joined, as always, four-time national road champion from Australia, Johnny Trevorrow, Olympic gold medalist and Olympic winter commentator. I'm oh, sorry, winter Olympic commentator, Scott McGrory. Uh, fellas, we're normally on the dot. We're very particular about timing, but we're 6.31 because John has spent the last minute ribbing our special guest, Tim, Dicker, Tim Decker, about his lighting. Since when are you getting on the front foot about quality control, John? Oh, I'm sick of getting a whack from you all the time, so I thought I'd give someone else a whack for a change. <laughs> now, now, before we bring Tim on, Scooter, it's been a big couple of weeks for you, mate. You've uh, obviously been rubbing shoulders with the elite commentary team in Australian sport. Uh, we're <laughs> talking like the that. likes of Hamish McLaughlin and the crew and, you know, Stephen Bradbury. How, how was it? Oh, mate, it was great. I really did enjoy it. I've, I've wanted to do the Winter Olympics. Um, I'm a big fan of winter sports and I'm a skier and, you know, lived in Europe, watched a lot of Eurosport. And uh, there's our gold medalist, Jakara Anthony. So it was nice to, to meet her as well. These photos in the future would look a bit strange because we're all masked up. There's and that's daughter, my daughter. Maddie. So, that's, yeah, that's, that she's still to become famous, but that's down the track. But, yeah, Maddie came down and, you know, joined me in the studio and sat in with the commentary, put the headphones on and listened to the producer talking to me and barking instructions. And it's a she great wanted, experience. Is Maddie wanting to go on the media? Yeah, she was thinking about, well, thinking about considering uh, going to uni and doing um, communications and TV. Mm-hmm. So the goal was during the Tokyo Olympics to have her, because, you know, cat out of the bag, we did the commentary out of Melbourne for both the Tokyo Olympics and the, the winters in Beijing. And I was hopeful of having her come down and, and just sit in the studio in the, you know, sit next near the director and mm. in the, in the uh, control room and just see how TV is made. And for an event as big as the Olympics, you can imagine how special that would be. COVID ruined all of that last year during the Tokyo Games and almost did the same this time for the winters. They wouldn't let her go into the control room. I did show it to her, but she didn't get to sit in there and actually watch the way TV is put together. But she was allowed to come into the commentary booth with Steve Bradbury and I. So, and we oh, have that would have been a buzz. Yeah, it was cool. We, had, you know, we have three commentators' um, positions, boxes. So she was able to put a set of headphones on, put her, her uh, microphone on mute, so she didn't say anything. But uh, she could just listen to the commentary. You know, and yeah, as I said, listen to the producer talking to us about what's coming up, what to mm. do, when to stop, what to pause. Um, so yeah, she's had that sort of insight that. Normally, a uni uni student wouldn't get until they were further into a course, perhaps. Um, now, the so yeah. the, ma- the main thing is, you as a commentator, you want to just do enough to get the gig for the next one. Do you think you've done <laughs> enough to get the call back? I think so. I think so. You never know. So, the TV industry, the way it works in this role is, there's very little praise. Um, I may have mentioned yeah. this before. No news, do the is job. good news. Yeah, but no news is good news because especially with the Olympics, right? So you finished your job commentating for me, speed skating. The, everybody else in there is already on to the next thing and they've already mm. been on to it for a while because they were getting ready for when we stopped. So they don't. there's no instant feedback, that's for sure. And occasionally, you know, you'll talk to some of the bosses and they'll say, oh, mate, loving what's going on with the speed skating. The ratings are being good. Um, they increased the number of events that I was to commentate and they also had um, me commentating on my own a few times originally, and then they changed that and got Steve Bradbury uh, negotiated with him to come in and do some more with me, mm. which meant, you know, that they were happy, you know, and the, and the ratings were showing that um, speed skating at the time of night. That it was I'll give on, you a thumbs up, Scotty. I thought you 
Thought you did a great job. So if you want, thanks, to hey, that's Thank huge. You. That is huge. Now, John does not like to lay praise on yourself or me. And if that, <laughs> no. if he's giving you two thumbs up. And it's much like this show, John. If I don't call you afterwards, it was a good show. No news is good news. <laughs> he likes to lay it on us in other ways. Normally, <laughs> hey, the thing with speed skating, guys, is once I got into it. Um, and look, there were a couple of times they called the skaters riders, and then I'd go to call them riders, and then have to correct myself. You know, yeah. old habits die hard. But it's so similar to track yeah. cycling. And yep. and the last day we had the mass start. I don't know if you guys saw the mass start race. It's a scratch oh, race on the track. Exactly the same. It. Yeah, it was yeah. really good. Breakaway well, attempts. And, and, well, yeah. well, that's a good segue. Track cycling. John, introduction for our special guest, Tim Decker. Well, Timmy Dak, Demi Decker. <laughs> Dak, he's getting called everything. I called him Timmy Dicker before. Faux pas. Timmy Decker is, is one of our uh, great coaches. He's been the Australian Olympic coach for the last two, two games, and he was, I think, development coach in 2012 as well. So very involved in, in the progression uh, of uh, Australian cycling. There he is, great photo there with the boys. And, you know, been super successful. Um, I saw him at the uh, at the finish line of the Warnable on Saturday, and he raced in the Masters Warney, so he's still pretty, pretty fit. Remembering he won the actual elite Warnable not that many years back, so he's been a pretty anti bike rider himself. But he punctured in the in the in the Masters warning on on Saturday. wasn't happy about oh, so that. So he's got an iffy story. Got an iffy story, and it was won by uh, former uh, head of uh, of uh, Australian cycling, um, Steve. Steve. Um, Stephen Drake. Stephen Drake. <laughs> legend. What a, and what a ride! Road clear he won on by Steve. <laughs> Yeah, he's that big a legend. You forgot his name, (laughs) (laughs) Stephen Bradbury. Oh no, the other one. So anyway, Timmy, uh, uh, legend himself, great Uh, coach, but he's moving on. So we we got breaking news, Johnny. Well, we know that we know that he has uh, left Cycling Australia and signed on with another country. But I reckon we're going to break the news today. Well, I know I'm going to tell it. Take it away, John. (laughs) Open up the (laughs) bag. Here's Tim Decker. Hey, Welcome Timmy, back, you, you blokes have an issue with last names, don't you? Yes. <laughs> That's right. Re- really struggling there. Oh, we do. Hey, we do. Anyway, we're hopeless at the best of times. Don't worry about that. I'm, I'm glad you you uh, moved on from the Dicker and got to the Decker. <laughs> yeah, much, much better. Better, better than the Decker. <laughs> Decker, yeah. I watched that. It's a great rally. The Decker good rally. rally. It's it yeah, it good rally, that. <laughs> So, Timmy, um, what we know that you're going overseas. We know you're going to another country to to, to coach. What? Um, how did it all come about? No, but hang on. Are we going to announce where it is? Can I drum roll? Well, we are. It? We're going to do that. We're going to do a drum roll. <laughs> all right, Timmy, where are you going? Oh, jeez, pressure straight up. Yep. Yeah, I'll be. Uh, I'll be moving on to coach the track endurance program. Um, and be the lead coach there for male and female in China. China. Uh, yeah, winner is China. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, di- I didn't yeah. think Australians were welcome in there at the moment, but obviously you've uh, you've managed to smooth some waters. Maybe you should yeah, give I'm uh, a nice our pri- uh, prime minister a call and just give him a, a little, you know. Um, Bit of a pep talk on how best to deal with China. I reckon, you know, it'd be a really good idea. But 
Anyway, that's up to you, mate. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want to get involved in that. <laughs> yeah, no, no. John, John started hot and then he starts to taper off. He'll, he'll come back in about the 30 minute mark. Yeah, let, but, let's get back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, mate, um, it, it's obviously been uh, a big story today. I saw a break on uh, Cycling News and Cycling Central. And, Scooter, you know more about this because it was about the report that went into Tokyo and what happened with the equipment and, you know, people wanted answers. Um, what was the fallout or the recommendations um, from that report, Scooter? Oh, look, you say I know more about it. It's only that I was on the call today when Marnie Fechner, the CEO, um, just made the announcement that they had done and completed the report um, and come up with their findings. I haven't read the report, but, um, ah. yeah, I just know that they've gone through that whole process um, and, you know, I have learned a lot from it. Um, and there was some, th- some some of the journalists threw some interesting ones at them. You know, they wanted to know how much the report cost and was it was it just a waste of money, um, which, you know, Marnie said absolutely not. You know, they're, they're trying to improve on everything and having to go through this process, as uncomfortable as it was, was still great for for learning what, what, what to do and what not to do going forward. You know, we're only in a three-year cycle now into the next Olympic Games, so we have to get it right really quickly to avoid these sorts of things happening again. And, look, you had two, you know, very well-regarded brand names in Bastion Bikes that were involved in making the, the product and also Argon 18 that made the frames. Um, and both of those companies got a little bit of scarring through through all of this. So I think, uh, you know, all three parties, Cycling you know, Bastion and Argon are really keen to get to the bottom of it completely and make sure that, you know, it doesn't happen again. Because, look, in the end, look, Tim was heavily affected by this personally and and obviously Alex and, and all the riders. So last thing anybody wanted to, to see happen was, you know, is the riders themselves and the coaching staff get affected by it. And I'm sure, Tim, you have read the report. So um, what what did it say? <laughs> Oh, it's it's a long report, so uh, I don't want to um, take up too much time on it. But look, the the uh, the reality of this, and a bit like what Scott said, this is about uh, progression and moving forward. So um, you know, out of this, the the biggest um, the biggest not challenge, but the biggest um, learning for everyone is. Um, how to move forward and and uh, not see a repeat of this because look you you wouldn't uh, wish something like this to happen to your worst enemy to be honest um, you know those those uh, three days of team pursuiting competition was uh, one of the biggest challenges um, in my coaching career and one of the biggest challenges for the uh, athletes as well. And for them to come away with a, a bronze medal, um, you know, uh, and I won't go into all the detail that was going on behind the scenes, but for them to keep fighting back and show that it wasn't over till till the finish, um, it's sort of a, a mantra that we've worked to over the years and, um, you know, it come into full play at the Olympic Games and, you know, that bronze medal felt like a gold medal by the end of the three days for those guys. Um, and I was so proud of how they handled themselves. Scooter? Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it, mate? Because, um, you know, it's almost like there are probably external sources that just want someone to be held accountable. You know, a mistake was made, however, whatever, um, 
and there's this sort of, I guess, a group or people who just want someone to be held accountable for it because of, you know, the end result was, was such a tragic thing. Um, but mistakes happen. You know, these things are a process. Um, so I don't, I don't think there's, there's certainly nothing untoward into any of this. And it really is just one of a very steep learning curve, I think, for everybody that's gone through it. Yeah. One of the things that was thrown up by one of the journalists today, which um, is, is unfortunate, was the question that apparently there'd been some rumours that the crash in 2016 before the Rio Olympic Games a couple of days before when the women crashed, the women's team to shoot team crashed in training, that there's a rumour out there now that that was caused by a broken handlebar back then in 2016, which, you know, you, I'm sure you can confirm, as, as I know, I was there as well, it was simply a touch of wheels in training and that's it. So it's really Correct. unfortunate that yeah. off the back of last year's incident, now somehow this rumour started to get around and even Marnie yeah. Fechner admitted that she had heard that rumour as well. So it, it's this is the kind of stuff you want to avoid. It's ridiculous um, that that's even popped up, Tim. Yeah, yeah, that needs to be squashed straight away and... You know, I was inside the uh, Olympic velodrome that day, and uh, that crash wasn't caused by a break of handlebar. That was that was crashed by a touch of wheels um, in a in a hit out effort. Um, unfortunate, but these things happen. Are you printing documents, Tim? <laughs> Not me. My wife is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like trying to say. Not right now, not right now. Just a quick one. I was just going to say, you know, I can see even just from the photos that we're digging up that there is such a strong bond between you and the athlete. And a lot of talk about, you know, culture within Australian cycling and that. You know, how much of this is about chemistry to get performance and how do you build that chemistry when you're in this high-performance environment? Well, I think that it's a bit twofold in regards to, you know, in the uh, report, it talks around culture and then there's, you know, culture within your group and, and the group you work with day in, day out. Um, so, you know, in the report, the, the culture was more around uh, the way that staff work and i.e. recordings uh, processes, um, procedures, and that sort of stuff. And then there's, you know, the culture that that I really focused on was was inside the training group, and you know, with the the guys and the girls a lot. Um, we used to do a lot of training together um, in the sessions, and you know, I spent more time with uh, with those those athletes and what I did with my family, you know, for a good uh eight to 12 years just about so um you know culture is one of those things that you, you're living every day and um we had a really um really tight bond and belief in each other and that's that's what that's what helps get athletes to the you know a level that they they dream of um but also sometimes athletes doubt themselves as well so you know, you've, you've got to eliminate that doubt and uh, without good culture in your group, um, you know, that can that can be a, a stopping point, I guess. Ify? Yeah. I was just going to add into that. <clears throat> what came out of that Olympics for me <clears throat> was 
the way they fought back, as you said, Timmy, uh, the bronze medal seemed like a gold medal. You went in as one of the favourites. It was really going to be close. Um, and then that first race, that crash was so severe. You know, you virtually lost your starting man. He, he, he did one more ride, but he wasn't the same person. So everything got changed. Uh, and and the way they they uh, just held themselves, you know, we were all proud, and I know you were. So that's uh, the main thing to come out of it. Now, I want to now get to what brought on this decision. What made you think, you know, you needed to uh, to, to move on? What was the what was the catalyst to that? Oh, look, it, it's not just about moving on, but it's about, um, you know, uh, myself as a coach wanting to keep improving as well. And um, so, you know, I've been through a couple of Olympic cycles, um, had a lot of experience with uh, all different styles of athletes. Um, and look, you know, I, I never probably had a, a dream of uh, coaching elsewhere, um, but there was an opportunity put to me, um, which is actually uh, quite exciting and, and it'll be a bigger role. So, you know, the challenge of um, overseeing male and female track endurance, um, you know, at the moment, China hasn't competed except for the, the lady that competed at the um, Olympic Games in the Omni and they, they haven't competed across the board at any UCI events uh, for quite some time now. Um, they don't currently have any UCI points on the on the track calendar except for the uh, one lady that competed in the Omnium at the Olympics. So she still has her points from the Olympics. So it's it's a real clean slate and um you know it's a build and so that that excites me um you know china is probably the the sleeping giant potentially of cycling so be really good to to see if i can have an impact um in that area and and when i think about that um you know i i think about the world of cycling and if i can have an impact to make them more competitive across the the world of cycling, then, you know, that that's better for, for everybody. Um, yeah, it might create another bit of competition for Australia, but to be the best, you got, you got to beat the best. And uh, we should never be uh, afraid of that and should always be, you know, wanting to, you know, there's a couple of sayings, yes, you can only beat the opponents that are in the race, but, but then also, you know, you want to, you want to beat the best in the world. Um, and so this is this is a real opportunity to, you know, build something from from where they're currently at, and uh, you know, set up a really good foundation for them for the future. So one of the things I was going to say, one, one of the, I'm a, I've really enjoyed uh, uh, Timmy's coaching style, uh, and one of the things he realised very early on. That the bay crits are very important. To oh, everybody. here we go. Here we <laughs> so go. we always he's starting milking here. this cow till it bleeds, John. <laughs> he start the year with a, he always put his team, his elite team, into the bay crits, the men and the women. Fantastic. Um, so my question is now that you're with, the, are you going to bring the Chinese over for the bay crits, Timmy? Oh yeah, you bet. Yep. Well, there you go. You might get a clip Love of the to. ticket, Johnny. <laughs> Where, were you, might be uh, more budget. <laughs> Yeah, send us some invitations, Johnny. Yeah, 
but we don't operate in the uh you know we can't operate in the uh iffy mode we'll have to be, uh, <laughs> we'll have to be right on it <laughs> pre-payment is that where you're going <laughs> hey um timmy how um how have how have your group how have the writers how have they taken the decision well i'd like to think they've taken it just as hard as me i mean <laughs> This wasn't a, a light-hearted decision, let me tell you that. Those those boys, yeah, they're uh, they've been part of my life. Yep, and uh, very very tough decision. But um, you know the you know I I look at, at where their position now. You know, um, we'll, we'll get some plugs in here. But you got Cal O'Brien um, in the bike exchange team now turn to world tour and uh plappy's uh set up at ineos and uh sam's in dsm and you know a couple of the younger guys like jensen plow rider fdj with uh miles scottson and pat eddie's uh in dsm as well so they're, they're just starting another journey at the moment and uh really need to set their sights on establishing themselves uh in that pro peloton and um really really making a foundation for the for their career so that they're set up for the next 10 or 15 years um and look i hope they still compete in track but um whether that's whether that's straight away or later on in their career that that'll be up to them and and their decision i guess now, we're going to bring in now another guy that knows something or two about building culture, and that's Matthew White, head DS for Bike Exchange. Jayco, Whitey, we are just chatting with uh, Timmy then about he's made the move. He's going over to China. He's had a lot of connection and a lot of results for Australian cycling. But we could just hear in the voice just before the answer, you know, how connected you become with riders and their journey and all that sort of stuff, um, you know, what are the keys to building sort of that culture um, to, to get success? And you must connect when you do make a change. You go to different teams. You would have had that when you left Garmin and went to Green Edge. Yeah, I suppose the, the, the job of a, a good coach is to, is to have buy-in. And have buy-in, you've got to have a relationship with your athletes. And because you are part of the journey, you are taking them on that journey with you guys, with you. So... Uh, Tim has done an incredible job over a long period of time and it will be a big loss to Australian cycling and I uh, certainly wish him all the best in his adventures there, adventures there but he has created a really good culture and now, like, like he said, we're um, a professional. Those guys are taking the next step into their professional road career and uh, now it's our job to to continue their development on the road side of things. And I, I, I do hope as well that they do go back to the track like like Tim said, maybe it's world titles, maybe it's Olympic Games, wherever it may be. But the foundation uh, is there because of what Tim has set up over the last uh, no, eight to ten years. If he, <laughs> I've got to say, uh, you've had a little bit to do uh, with with racing in China. You've <clears throat> taken the team over there, um, and you you know, also involved with a a development team in China. What tips? Have you got for, for Timmy about uh, his first uh, trip over to China? Deep fried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember the breakfast was the same as dinner when we were at Tour of Beijing. And I'm like, hang on, what's going on here? I don't eat squid, squid at breakfast. But 
Um, there's definitely some cultural things that um, you have to adjust to, particularly around food. Oh, it'll be, it'll be great. I think it'll be a great experience. A great experience. And uh, and, and Tim, you're still going to you're going to be able to um, uh, take the. We're having a bit of a chat there down under in January. You're going to be bring over some of the team to prepare in Australia before uh, in periods during the year as well. Yeah, yeah, that'd be uh, that is the plan. I mean, be uh, ideal to be in Australia during the summer, um, and there's there's a lot of racing now that you can, you know, dig your heels into, and um, I reckon be good to get them exposed in some racing outside of China. So yeah, it'd be really good to to be here and mix mix the road racing with some of the uh, track racing that they have here as well through that summer period. And I feel that that would help uh, make a bit of a step. So bridge, you know, start bridging the gap um, for them to be a bit more competitive when it comes to track nations cups and, um, you know, Asian games and world championships and that sort of stuff. So. Scooter. What's uh, Tim, what's this, what's this first step? So what, what happens now? You made the announcement. Uh, it's been you know, brewing for, for some time now. What's the next step? When when do you go over there, and and what is the, what do you think? What are you expecting for this first sort of month or two? Yeah, I've got a a bit of a plan mapped out so far. So leaving on Sunday, um, providing I pick up my visa tomorrow. So providing that's all fine, leave well, on printed, Sunday. You printed it off, so you should be sweet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just forged it. No. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. so um, story. Yeah. <laughs> John just emailed it through to me. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Two hundred cash. <laughs> uh, no, starting next year's bakery. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> no, look. Yeah, so- um, leave on Sunday. Um, and then have three weeks quarantine, so that'll that'll be uh, challenging to to kick three it off. Three weeks, three weeks, yeah. Wow, really? yeah. Yep. That's making sure that you are crystal clear, ready to rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to sling your hard drive full of movies, mate. Yeah, yeah I'll be able to watch some uh, more. Detour podcast and <laughs> yeah. all that sort of stuff. Why not? <laughs> um, oh, don't worry. I'll have a Watt bike in there. I'll be. Uh, I'll spend some time filling yeah, in some right. hours riding my bike as well. But yeah. no, I'll be. Uh, so I'll, I'll leave Sunday. Be there uh, Sunday night. Three weeks quarantine. Um, you know, be. I mean, the the time zone is not so different. Uh, it's only two and a half hours. So. You know, I'll be doing some uh, work uh, throughout the days, um, you know, starting to um, work through a bit of an athlete list. And then uh, the day I get out of quarantine or the day after, there's a competition, a local competition, track competition that I'll uh, go and watch. Um, that goes for four or five days. And... Uh, yeah, after that, then I'll head to Beijing, so where the base is in Beijing um, for a week, and then about two weeks after that, they've got their track nationals. So, how many, how many tracks do they have in uh, in China, uh, Timmy? Uh, from what I know, they've got nine indoor tracks, and then they've got a 
yeah, they've got an endless list of outdoor tracks. So I plan on uh, checking out all the indoor tracks, definitely. Um, yeah, just to look at the ways we might, um, where we might do uh, preparation. So, yeah, that'll be a good good venture as well. And if they've got a juicy budget, that Bay Crits will definitely happen. <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be staying on the penthouse there on the water at Geelong. Don't worry about that, mate. You'll get whatever you need. Hey, March, March, Labor Day long weekend in Victoria for the Bendigo Madison as well, no doubt. Yeah, that's um, right. No doubt. Yeah, hey, um, Whitey, got a question for you, Whitey, about um, because we talk about you know the Tim's track guys, and now you've got uh, um, well, you've got a couple in there, but with Kel O'Brien now, um, is it easier? Like you, it's probably perhaps a bit different for you because of the way the team started from your Australian background. But is you know Elia Viviani, Filippo Garner, um, Consoni, uh, are these guys, or even even Wiggins and, and um, Garen Thomas? But has it been made a bit easier? lately to allow trackies to cross over back and forth because for a while there it was impossible you had to make a big decision and give up the track but with these guys and the results they've had both on the road and on the track recently does that make it more favorable for guys like kill o'brien to switch back and forth in your eyes yeah it, it certainly is and when you look at the italian team three of the four three of their four teams computers are well-established road riders so I don't understand the mechanics of how they're chopping and changing so efficiently, but uh, if, the, if, the, if the Italians can do it, anyone can do it. You know, it's uh, even the Danes. The Danes were doing a good job. We've also got we've also got in our team from New Zealand, who's the uh, Omnium silver medalist at the Olympics. So it's, it's definitely possible. I, th- I think I think what's making it possible is probably the, the amount of road road days that they don't do. So the, the guys are not racing. Now, most guys are racing between 60 and 75 day, race days a year. So there's a lot more periodization where they can go away and do. They can go to a track camp, come back and get back stuck back into the road again. So I think it's. I think it is a lot easier to to transition in and out of road and track than it was 10 years ago. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick uh, drinks break, but Ify, I'll just have a quick yap on the River and Rangers plan. You've sent a private message. What's all that about? <laughs> Well, just before this, uh, we started the podcast, I had a little meeting with uh, uh, Sissy Hosking and Johnny Beresford up here at Nagambi, and we're working on a master plan. I thought, well, we've got the boys here, because they all know how great this region is for cycling. So we're working on, uh, there's just so many hidden gems. There are a master plan for this, you know, for the Goulburn River uh, and and uh, ranges, so it's a slightly master plan. And so, what we're doing, we're talking about. I'll get this thing up here. Um, sponsored so by the Chinese about, track program. Well, you know, it's about <laughs> competition, it's about having some fantastic races. In the we area. could get some more Michelin wine to China. This could be a contra. <laughs> but there are so many wonderful cycling routes around here. You go off into the Strathbogie Ranges here, and you, you get some of the uh, amazing gravel rides, which is you know something special. And it's all only ninety minutes away from actually probably an hour from the from the uh, western suburbs of, of Melbourne or northern suburbs of Melbourne. Uh, and it's just a wonderful place with all, you know, with so much to see and do in the area, so many great little, um, you know, of course, Mitchelton Wines and places like that. But the Gambia is just one part of it, Seymour, all the area around there, 
just amazing. So we're working on this uh, um, new little plan. So you guys have all raced here, Sun Tours and <clears throat> other races. Um, what are your thoughts on this wonderful region? Well, I've got all three of you. Two hilly. Two hilly. <laughs> <Really? laughs> no, it's off. It's off. The Rivers and Ranges is done. Johnny, question to you. Does that include, and, and this would be for, for Tim to bring the, the Chinese riders out as well, Kerwin's Bridge. You could do some skills training across Kerwin's Bridge. Oh, well, we can ask Whitey about that. Whitey, Whitey yeah, had a there. go at it. Whitey had a go at it. He wasn't, he didn't go too well, if I remember rightly, Whitey. Yeah, we'll better explain to the viewers um, and the listeners what Kerwin's Bridge is. It's quite a long wooden bridge, what we call in Australia, a picket plank bridge. And if you can ride across that on your own without going to the handlebars, yeah, then you, you're doing pretty well. Well, it's got a, it's, 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 it is the best pick a blank bridge I've ever seen or worse, or worse whichever you want to put why it why do you let Whitey tell the story <laughs> it's about 500 500 we'll get to the story long. John it's and, not about you back to it the does bends. it does bends anyway okay no, Matt can you please tell us a funny story to cover up that waffle <laughs> <laughs> we're on a training camp there in uh, uh, December training camp staying at uh, Nagambi and we just went for a bit of a ride and I thought I'd join the, join the lads and there's about 30 of us on a right there, and we came up to that bridge, and I didn't know the bridge. I, I have ridden over a few pick-a-plank bridges you know, over the years, but nothing quite that long. And uh, so, yeah, back in the, I, I didn't know the actual the state of the bridge, and uh, it's pretty bloody bad. And so, I attempted to set off over the bridge there. I, I don't ride too much anymore, and I got around about halfway through, maybe not even halfway through, and uh, my front wheel went down a very big crack and went straight to the fork. <laughs> and uh, and then anyway, I, I, I oh, geez, that hurt. Got up there, and then I heard this another kunk, another kunk, and there was like four or five, four or five of the team went down on the same bridge. Uh, anyway, they, they had to go, what, what would have been the closest hospital to there? Shepparton, yeah, yeah. So, I had to go to Shepparton Hospital, get the old wrist checked out, but uh, I've never seen a bigger paint bridge in that state. All right, well, it's time for a quick drinks break. We're going to be back with more from Tim Decker and Matt White. Stay tuned. Look at this bike. You think it's just a bike, right? But it's not. It's a bike. 374 people are looking at. This guy, this girl, them, all looking at it. People from here, there, and wherever this is. People that are looking for a bike. Or just a piece of it. Amateurs. Semi-amateurs. And pro-amateurs. This guy wants this bike, but with this crank. And these bars. This could be the perfect match. But not this one. This girl has a bike to sell. And thousands of people might purchase it. Eyes on bikes help grow small businesses. His, hers, yours. And the latest data and insights help those businesses keep moving. We are the world's number one bike marketplace with over 500,000 products and 900 brands where buyers and sellers are brought together in a place where a bike is never just a bike. Bike Exchange, where the world buys, sells, learns and rides.
Are you dreaming of the ultimate cycling holiday? Mumu Cycling is the best in the business. Official tour operators for all Grand Tours and Monuments, you will ride the best climbs. Enjoy VIP access and race viewing all hosted by some of the world's best pros, including 17-time Tour de France rider and Paris-Roubaix champion Stuart O'Grady. Start planning your ultimate holiday at www.mumucycling.com. Thanks again to Bike Exchange and Mumu Cycling. Now, if he update with Mumu, have we sold those two tickets to the classics? Because they should snap up, given that they'll be rubbing shoulders with the likes of Eddie Merckx, Tom Vernon, the hitters, Frank Schleck. Well, I'd jump in now. So, uh, Marcel Berger, you know, the uh, the leader of uh, of Mumu, um, hasn't come back to me to tell me where those two spots have gone. There were people talking to him. So, at this stage, get in there while you can. Still two places. And as, you know, we, we spoke last last Tuesday. Some of the guests who will be there for those classics are Eddie Merckx, one of the slicks. We haven't worked out which one it is yet. Tom Bernan, Johan Museu. I mean, you know, not just say hello have a coffee with them and have a talk with them. And it's a very small group, guaranteed, two places available. So I saw Whitey in the promo. Are you going to do the classics, Whitey? Can we help push these two tickets or what? Mate, I am not. I'm going to take the second the second best place to watch those classics, and that's a buy on the television. No, I'm, <laughs> uh, my uh, my program is a little bit different this year. I'm going to do Pays Basque and uh, another race in Spain with a, with a Giro group. So I won't be at... Uh, won't be, the only classic I'll be at this year is Milan San Remo. Oh, okay. what a classic. Right. So we Giro, better, if he, I can get yeah, into the Giro because you're going to be headlining the all-star cast. Yeah, so uh, we're, we're doing – there's two separate trips to the Giro. So the first week, so uh, starting in Budapest, going to be sensational. Um, and I, I've never been to, to Budapest, so I'm looking forward to it. So three days in Hungary – fly down to Sicily, and then we've got three days in Sicily, including uh, the, the amazing Mount Etna. Um, so it can be something special. Small group. Yeah. Now, Bad. I remember travelling with Whitey, and Giro was your race, wasn't it? That was the one that you really loved because it was all about the big Parmigiana wheels. When they brought those wheels out, your face would light up like a Christmas tree. Not Parmigiana, the cheese wheels you're talking about. No, no, Parmigiana wheels we used to get. Remember, we'd stab them and just get little bits off, and it was that fresh stuff. Really? And some big bits. That is one of the motivating factors that I do. I am very up and about when we get on the Italian shores. But the Giro, it's very – I've been to the last – I don't think I've, I've only I've missed one for about fifteen years, but uh, I, I really do love the race. It's, it's a different style of race, and uh, as a team, we've had a lot of success there over the years, and uh, we plan on having some more this year with uh, with Simon Yates. Well, if he's backed him in to win, he's not biased though. He calls it as he sees it. He never just aligns himself to Jerry's team. I never do. I, I, I only say what I what I think honestly, and I believe he can. We look. We know, you know, that it, it's something. It's like almost a thorn in his uh, uh, in his shoe. Uh, he's twice been in the winning position and just hasn't come together. And I know. Well, well that's the cue for the video that you sent me, just to show that you're not biased. Oh yes, yes. There you go. Yeah. So this is what's this from, John? So Shane, Shane Bannon just sent it through. 
Yeah, stage finish where where um, where where uh, Simon won the stage. Yep. And here he goes. Here he goes. Yep. Fantastic. What stage? Yeah, yep. Sensational. And, awesome. Uh, see how our passionate. Well, you didn't. It was a lovely piece but, where Jerry oh, gets going. to get, where Jerry gets to Simon. And for those watching, listening on the podcast, you've got no idea what's got some, here. No, no. He's got some pace. <laughs> Jerry has taken off like one yeah, of his thoroughbreds. I got my Lexus Bay grit, so I was carrying a couple a couple of pounds. Oh, it's like a Merricane in the final straight <laughs> at Flemington. And there he goes. He's floating around the outside. He wants to get in for that classic. Owner hug and there it is. That's as good Pretty as Pretty special. Gets. Pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. So hoping to replicate yeah. that obviously. Why do you uh, come to Giro this year? How's all the prep oh, I mean it's too early in the season to make any sort of big statements, but uh everything uh good at the moment. Yeah, we Simon had his first race last week in uh Vuelta Andalusia. He was fifth on G C, got better day by day. And uh, now he's got ten days at home, and then we're gonna hit, we're gonna hit Paris Nice actually. So the first time I, I uh, don't go to Tirano, but we're gonna go what? to Paris. Nice. Yeah, you heard it live, mate. That uh, was your race. <laughs> oh, that and the Giro, mate. That's me, uh, me two favourites. But uh, we've got some pretty big fish to fry at Paris. Nice. We're going there with Simon and Dylan Groomwigan. So oh. uh, we're uh, we've got a big uh, big squad lining up there uh, Sunday week. And uh, and it'll be his first his first big test of the year. And after that, he goes home for a week and then does Catalonia. Um, so he he was good. He was good. He's had a he's had a incident incident free winter. Uh, got a really good base behind him, and uh, he's starting to turn the screws now for uh, what's coming up. And uh, there's been uh, a lot of a lot of teams affected by uh, COVID over here the last uh, the last month. Um, it is there's I don't I don't know. If, if it's because of the, the the charter flights involved in some of the races or the hotel situation, I, I honestly don't know, and no one can give you that answer. But the the teams across the board have been really. We've had more we had more positives in the last couple of weeks than we have had in the last two years. Um, I think in the positives, the positive side there is that you know it was nearly impossible to avoid, and uh, all our guys, no one actually got sick, which has been good or really sick. Um, and they're all on the on the mend, but uh, I know that across across all the world tour teams, teams and people have been scrambling. Now you're not hearing about it because you're only hearing about the the high profile guys who have gone positive. But um, touch wood, uh, most of our key guys have stayed uh, stayed stayed healthy over this last month. But let's hope we're, it's, we're over the hump now, and uh, as the weather starts to get warmer and cases start to drop, that uh, the teams are, are less affected because it has really been a, a, a big juggling act. Over the last uh, the last six to eight weeks, uh, managing athletes and staff who've been who've been coming down positive. Scooter, um, you guys may have covered this on an earlier podcast, but just dealing Grunewagen, Whitey, how did that come about? Because it seemed like it was a pretty last minute thing. It's yeah, it was successful. It was, mate. So he was uh, he was under contract with Jumbo Visma for two more years. And uh, they sat down with him at the end of the season, and they went through uh, his race program, and um, they made it clear to him that while uh, Primus Rodjlik was in the team, they would be targeting general classification at the tour, and that there would, there would be no spot for a sprinter. So you know, Dylan had uh, he's had a pretty uh, he's pretty had a pretty up and down year and a half before that. He's he's at the prime of his career, and uh, he thought, well, you know, I've missed two Tour de France's, the last two Tour de France's. And that's coming from a guy who's won four stages already, and he wanted to do the tour. 
and uh, a couple of connections were put in place and uh, then he spoke with Jumbo about the opportunity for them to let him off his contract so he could go chase his dream of winning at the Tour and he's had a great relationship with Jumbo. I think he was there for eight years. He's, he, only, he had only ridden for one other team in his whole career and they let him out of his contract and, uh, and he landed on our laps and uh, it's been a very, very good pickup and uh, one that uh, it's, it's been, it, it has been, it will be a game changer for us for this season or our, for the next three seasons. I'll tell you, he's smart, just before you butt in, if he is, he knows about how to celebrate a sprint because he's highlighted Jayco. And if you do that, you're a mate with Jerry for life. That is going straight to the pool room. So, chapeau. That, that is just textbook. Uh, good on you. Um, at least I put my head up. I was doing the right thing. You, you can't help yourself. You can't help yourself. Yeah, anyway, true in a zinger. <laughs> I was going to ask you, Whitey. Uh, there were two great wins that he had uh, um, uh, last week, but this week they've had a the, the lead up team has looked fantastic. They're very strong. They almost said to be getting together a fraction too early. I wanted to get your thoughts on. Yeah, where they've been because they they've looked really strong in the coming up two k to go, but just haven't been able to quite get it together. What what's the issues? Oh, look, they're they're working through it. I think the bigger the it's a, it's a strange race, UAE. Uh, for example, the, the first stage there where where Dylan got caught on the right hand barricades, there was there wasn't a single corner for fifty five kilometres, um, and so it was a pretty negative race. There was a lot of headwind. And yeah, everyone out there, except about twenty riders, is is a big bloke who's participating in the sprints, and and no no team really got that first sprint right. Uh, I think there's, there's a couple of different styles to to run those trains. Obviously, the bigger the train is, the more complicated it is to get it right. And then also, you know, Luca Mezgets, he he has a certain style of leadouts as well. So they've been experimenting with a couple of uh, a couple of different ways to, to do it. They're gonna, I know there's a very big uh, big sprint day on today. But today and tomorrow are the last two sprint stages for UAE, so I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if we change our tact a little bit for these these next two stages coming up. I think we've we've tried to come from behind and come come behind with numbers, but it's always messy to get five guys through when you try to do it like that, especially when you don't have key corners or, or the race has been that hard. But uh, it's a work in progress, and we've got some horsepower out there. We've got, a, like I said, a couple of those couple of uh, world class track riders, you know, Kel O'Brien, Campbell Stewart. And then uh, some other guys in front, Caden Groves in front of, and, and Luca Mezgets, all in front of Dylan. So we've got we've got the horsepower, and I'll be really curious to see how they nail it today. Yeah. Guys, we need to uh, mention the live comments. Uh, Chris Blockley, morning boys, how are you, mate? Fitness cycling says, do you think cyclocross should be in the Winter Olympics, Scott? No, no, I don't. Okay, moving on. Yeah, well, it's in the winter, but it's not like all of the winter Olympic sports require snow or ice, and you don't require snow or ice um, for cyclocross. You have it sometimes, but it's not a requirement. So, no, it's not a winter. It's not a winter Olympic sport. All right, we'll uh, tune up your questions, fitness cycling, for the next time. Uh, LinkedIn user says, "Have I missed the big announcement?" Yes, you did. Tim Deck is going to the Chinese track program, and he's going to. Start at the Bay Crits next year on a massive sponsorship <laughs> deal. Uh, Jamie Finch says, great work on the pod recently, guys. There's been some great guests recently. Ask Timmy about the puncher that ruined his Port Campbell to Warrnambool. We did mention that early, but have you got any other insights, Timmy? Have you gotten over it? Well, 
I don't think the person I yelled at will get over it for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> what, he, what he, he sticks up in your tyre or what? Tax. Oh, no, just, just uh, no, he, there was a guy just in front of me. We were working up the line and uh, no one pointed the rock out and I just T-boned a uh, rock and uh, uh, had a big tyre blowout. So that was, just, that was a bit average. Uh, and uh, tried, tried to change the wheel and jump in with the uh, scratch markers, but Missed them by about 10 seconds. Mm. Yeah. Ian, Ian Thomas, he's a regular. He <laughs> says, congrats on your new position, Tim. It'll be interesting to see the improvements by Paris. Let's hope your team will be good, but not too good. Australia for the win. Um, do you have expectations on, on what you think would be a really good result by Paris? Uh, well, of course, uh, I have expectations, and um, as does China. But um, one, one of the biggest goals, so th this is really a long-term vision for them. Um, so, so one of the biggest goals for Paris is to qualify uh, in every endurance event. Um, so that'll be a big, enough, a big challenge. Uh, one, because, you know, there's Madison, Omnium and Team Pursuit. Um, and then, you know, they, they have goals um, around uh, Asian Games and um, events like that as well. So so probably events that you, you don't hear about quite as much, but they're actually quite uh, prestigious uh, throughout that region and uh, certainly helps set athletes up for life uh, if they, you know, it's, it's real game changer for athletes if they win gold medals at Asian Games and that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, so by Paris, I mean, the, the first goal is to qualify uh, China in every um, event for the endurance program. And then uh, on top of that, you know, we'll be um, seeing how competitive we can get in uh, trying to win a medal. Uh, I've got a comment, another one. Uh, Samantha says, Scott, I loved your commentary at the Winter Olympics. I've learned so much about Jumbo and its speed skating team. Did I hear you say that Fabian Cancelaro did speed skating? Uh, no, Fab Fabian's name came up a few times with um, skaters that had him as their sporting hero. Okay. Um, and Steve Bradbury, he was going through to pick out any anyone. Peter Sagan was one. Um, anyone that had a, a cyclist as a, um, a sporting hero, he'd always bring it up for the connection with me and, and cycling. So, yeah. 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 But he would have been a good speed skater, big, powerful man for sure. Nicholas Bird, great guests, guys. Well done. And Annette Miller, uh, Whitey, great rides last night by Damo and Luke Platt. Damo fifth on the stage as well, I think. Yeah, well, it certainly was. It certainly was. It was probably the best uh, best ride we've seen Damien Housen doing a World Tour event. Uh, really good. Amongst uh, very good company. Um, a long, long climb, and I think they do it again on the last stage, um, maybe even twice. I'm not sure, um, but it's it's a, there's not too many options in the UAE for climbs, but it has been done before. But it's a really good ride, and uh, Luke Clapp uh, had a really played a really good support role as well for the likes of uh, for Adam Yates, who finished second on the stage. And Seb Berwick was 14th, I think. So youngster from Queensland that's riding for the Israeli team, so he's starting to find his legs as well. Yeah, I did notice he. I did notice uh, him up there. Uh, Daryl Impey looking after him on the bottom slopes of the climb there. No, he did a really good ride. Now, one thing we haven't touched on 
uh, Tim, is one thing we like talking to guests about is how you overcome adversity and, you know, pass on some tips for the viewers. Now, uh, doing a bit of research, you obviously had a major setback, you know, with your health back in 2014. Uh, you were hospitalised there for a bit. Um, it, was it a crash that, you know, led to a, a – was it a, a hemorrhage in the, in the brain? Uh, can you explain to viewers or listeners, you know, what actually happened and, and what – were the lessons that you sort of took out of that, you know, massive crossroad moment, I guess, Two, in your 2019, life. actually, uh, Dan, do, do your research. He did have one in, the, in about 2014 as well, but the big one, 2019, <laughs> was the recent one. So just well, to, just well they'll, they'll both right. big. Yeah, they're both big. <laughs> they'll both hang on, we'll start with 14 and, and we'll go along. Right. Yeah, hang on. 2014 and 2019. So I've had two, two brain hemorrhages, yeah. Both, so, both from bike bike accidents. Yep. So that that must did that change your perspective on life, mate? And what were the things that you learned from coming through that? Ooh, geez, they're heavy, aren't they? Heavy. Yeah, we we so flip it up on the yeah. show. We, we go light, and then we just go <laughs> yeah, boom. Yeah. Oh, look. Um, I I wouldn't say it changed my perspective on life. But uh, it, it makes you appreciate it uh, even more and the opportunities that you get uh, along the way. But, you know, one of the things that also did, and this, this was more after the 2019 accident. So, you know, the, the first one was in 2014. I was out riding with uh, Glenn O'Shea and Scotty Sunderland. And um, this is when Scotty was crossing over to be an enduro and, I said, oh, we're, we're up in the hills. And I said, oh, have you ever been down the um, corkscrew, Scotty? He's like, no, nah, no, nah, I haven't been down there yet. He said, rightio, follow me. And uh, so I thought, oh, I better, I better go reasonably quick so that they, um, you know, they don't think I'm an old fool going slow. And so I'm ripping around a few corners and then get on the, the straight bit of the corkscrew and there was a, a change in road. So, you know, not changing surface, but there was like this little lip uh in the change of road and hit that at about 75k an hour and my front wheel just exploded and collapsed underneath me it um you know and i tumbled over the bars and yeah you know, had a bit of lost lost a bit of sense and that sort of stuff and of course it was it was the first day of the school holidays and i'd promised to do a lot with the family so you know stubborn me thinks that i'm going to ride home you know my front wheels in Tatters and Glenn and Scott are like, um, Tim, you need to just sit down because you've got no idea what you're doing. Um, but that was, that was, you know, after that accident, you know, um, I was just very determined to, to get back to full health and, you know, play on and show that, um, you know, regardless of setbacks, you, you can make good uh, comebacks or, you, you know, it's really a mindset thing that, that keeps you driven. But actually, after the second one, um, which was another bike accident, and uh, that was caused by some people not pointing out rocks and about five people <laughs> fell off in front of me. And uh, I had nowhere to go. I thought I was going to jump over the guy and I started bunny hopping over him, but um, his bike flipped up and hit my bike midair, you know, hit me head. Again, got up, thought I was going to ride home and you know, I, was, I was in another planet, apparently. Um yeah, the, the second one was, I had to be 
had to be uh, I had to really make a choice, and uh, the choice was someone's own. Don't worry about the uh, you know the printing. Someone's own. That's fine, um, mate. Yeah. So the the choice was, you know, sit on the couch and uh, do nothing, or uh, actually get off my backside and uh, you know get on with life. Um, you know, because that was too. Two knocks to the old uh, the old noggin, which is probably full of concrete now. People tell me, um, but it was it was a, a lot tougher that second time. And um, you know, you talk about being close to your family and and your athletes and that sort of stuff. And uh, you know, my my inspiration of getting my backside off the couch was, you know, built around. Um, you know, showing my family that no matter what happens, you you got to get up and and do it again. You know, and and doing that also with the uh, with the athletes. You know, I'm an Olympic coach and uh, set my standards pretty high, so I couldn't couldn't dare let the uh, the guys and the girls know that I was uh, suffering. So you know, got off got off the couch and got motivated again, and you know, got got a uh, fit and healthy which is a an important part to my um you know my regime or, or what i like to do and um yeah just got stuck back into it and motivated for the uh for the olympics and just living I, that's when i realized just how tough you were you are not where you are timmy because you know, that was end of october i think in, in 2019 where you made a mess yourself in hospital all those things you already you'd already entered the team in the Bay Crits, of course, and you turned up at the Bay Crits. Oh, that was amazing! You know, scars everywhere, whatever, and we looked after you. But your first event, the Bay Crits. So it was the legend, you mate. Were the Bay Crits. That You're was a legend, it, John. That was it. <laughs> now, fellas, we, we've gone almost an hour. We could talk for obviously ninety minutes plus. Uh, in summary, Scooter, if he, what do you want to ask the boys to wrap things up? Um, oh, Timmy, can I say sorry, Johnny? Tim, um, what 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 do you see? And having, um, I know that your predecessor from the Aussie team did do a stint in China, and we've had a couple of other coaches that have gone over as well. Um, either from what you've learned from them, or what, what your own expectations. What do you think the biggest challenge is um, with coaching the Chinese program? And because they've got, you know, obviously an incredible number of athletes, but haven't been able to to put it together to get successes on the world cycling scene. So, what is it? What do you think? What's what's the toughest challenge you got? Communication. Yeah. Yeah. If if I can nail the communication um, and build the relationships, uh, then that will help build the trust and the respect between each other, which which is super important. On I know that that is so valuable for them and it, and it also is for me and um if we can if we can nail that then you know anything's possible does that mean you have to learn mandarin and brush things up there oh no i've got a 24 7 interpreter translator. Yep, translator. make sure hey make sure you can trust them first and foremost <laughs> yeah yeah well that's, that's number one isn't it <laughs> that's right if you why, Whitey, um, I, I'll let that one go. Timmy, um, great to have you on. I'll go, go with Whitey. Uh, an exciting year uh, popping up. 
like Dan said before, you know, I'm, uh, I, I believe that uh, uh, Simon Yates can win the Giro. Um, but I noticed, because one of his challenges, of course, is his time trialling. And I know they're all real wrapped in the in, in the giant bikes and that's going to have a big uh, uh, input. But I noticed that uh, his brother has really stepped up his time trial. Did a great time trial uh, two days ago. So uh, how's Simon going in his time trial uh, in path? Oh, the unfortunate so, thing. Sorry, mate. No, yeah, no, you're back on. Your audio just cut out there. Um, the unfortunate thing these days, Johnny, is um, the amount of time trialing that the guys don't have. So uh, he's only going to get one time trial in before the before the Giro, and that'll be at Paris Nice. It's, it's a short one. I think off the top of my head, it's like 13 kilometers. And then uh, even in the Giro itself, it's the sh- smallest amount of time trialing kilometers since 1960. So you know, some t- you know, it wasn't too long ago that 30, 40K TTs were all the go in the Grand Tours. And uh, it certainly has come off a little bit uh, depending on which Grand Tour you go to. But, no, he's good. He's good, mate. He's, yeah, he, he, he has actually won the time trial in Paris-Nice in the past. Um, so he's been working on his time trialing. It, it's not as big a factor as the Tour de France this year. We doubt him he's getting ready for. But, uh, no, he, he can do a very solid one when, uh, when needed. All right. Well, it's been fantastic having you on, Tim. Uh, fantastic insights, mate. And we wish you all the best with uh, your new role over there in China. And, and we hope you get through those 21 days quarantine uh, without any stress. I'm sure you will get that what bike. And, and why do you've obviously been a regular on the detour and particularly at the Grand Tours, mate. And whenever we get you on, the, the fans absolutely love it. And, and that goes to you as well. Scooter, you're a regular on the detour. We appreciate that as well, mate. And Ify, just make sure that you keep polishing up that delivery buddy <laughs> Tweak it. Uh, yeah and make sure youtube.com forward slash the detour podcast like share subscribe thanks fellas thanks for tuning in guys we'll see you again next week thanks. thursday 6 30 p.m australian eastern standard time till then take it easy Sorry. this is the winning ride of the tour de France.